The New Activist is presented by International Justice Mission. IJM is working to end slavery in our lifetime and won't stop until all are free. If you have a moment before you even listen to this podcast, would you go to newactivist.is slash IJM, newactivist is IJM, and fill out the form that you see there. That form will ask your elected officials to help end slavery. It is extremely important and it is really genuinely life-saving. New activist is IJM. Uh, we're doing kind of like a 4th of July cookout. It's going to be the Italian sausage dogs with braised fennel, peppers, onions. And then we're going to do a macaroni and cheese like gratin. Okay. Chris, can you pass me that pepper pan? I'm going to go ahead and start grilling some of these. Well, that is Mark Thompson, one of the co-founders of The Picnic Project, where we will be spending our day together today. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and this is The New Activist. I am really looking forward to sharing this episode with you because, if you'll permit me a little side story here, a few weeks ago, I was at lunch at one of my favorite restaurants in town and I just love the food at this place and was just sitting there quietly enjoying it and my friend Jordan walks up and I've known Jordan for a long time and Jordan walks up and says hey the head chef of this place has listened to the new activist and also runs this really cool project in town called the picnic project you should chat with him I was like, well, that's a fun idea. So I go home and stalk the picnic project. And as it turns out, there is this amazing idea happening in my own city that I get to share with you today. Mark Thompson and Ryan Bozeman started this picnic project in the city of Sanford, Florida. Sanford is an interesting city because there's all kinds of new industry and restaurants and breweries and marshmallow stores and things like that. And there is also a great deal of economic and racial and ethnic diversity. You have probably seen it in the news. If you remember a few years back, that is where Trayvon Martin was killed. And so Sanford is the cross-section of a lot of big conversations that are happening right now, including one of them, which is the fact that there is a very high homeless and housing insecure population there. And so the Picnic Project is this neat idea that is, at first blush, it seemed like, oh, I thought it was just another feeding program, right? They set up a trailer truck somewhere and feed folks, which is great to do. But as it turns out, the whole idea of the Picnic Project is different. What they do is Mark, my friend, who is the chef, makes this incredible meal. And by incredible, I don't mean like, oh, it's like pretty decent. (laughs) It's like amazing. And he makes this incredible food. The co-founder, Ryan, is the host, and he's walking around greeting people. And folks in the Sanford area come and eat. Some people are homeless. Some people do have perilous housing situations, and they are coming there for sustenance. And some people come because Mark's cooking is just so good. What's neat is that setting this table with amazing food and real plates and dignity has brought everybody together on Sunday at one o'clock to eat and talk together. And so we are going to spend our time today in the show at the Picnic Project. It was an honor for me to be there. It was an honor for my family to be there. And it was great to eat wonderful food and make new friends. That's really the idea of the Picnic Project. And that is where we will start in my conversation today with Mark Thompson. 
it's one thing to just be a successful chef, which you could have just gone on and just gone in bigger and bigger restaurants and right. just for that. But where did this idea come from, the picnic project? Um, I mean, I had made the shift from catering to restaurant kitchen, like regular restaurant kitchens. Um, when we were working there, we were here in Sanford and we noticed a fairly large homeless population. And about the same time, like we had not been too active in our faith, really. And we read Shane Claiborne's book, uh, Irresistible Revolution. Mm. And those two things kind of coalesced and we just thought like, we need to be doing something. Yeah. And then the problem was staring us in the face, sometimes quite literally at the back door of the restaurant. Yeah. Like they would, people would show up and ask if we had anything left over. Um, can I, can I take, take me inside that moment though? Because I, <clears throat> I know that I internally like wrestle sometimes with like, okay, what is actually helpful? Like, mm -hmm. should we be giving money? Should we be giving food? Like, how did you reconcile what to do when someone comes to the back of the restaurant? You hear that often. Like if I give them money, what are they going to do with it? And that's right. not my place to make that call. Um, I don't feel I, I, the scripture says if somebody asks you for money, with an open hand, give it, you know? Right. And, you know, the least of these. And right. it's just very rich with all these things. And and I started, when I read uh, Irresistible Revolution, it it became crystallized in my mind. Like, like, I grew up in the church, but I didn't see much of this. You know, we gave to missions or whatever, but that was happening on the other side of the world. Yeah. And there wasn't much going on. I won't say there wasn't anything, but there wasn't much. I didn't see an active faith yeah. growing up. And just reading Shane's work, it it really inspired both of us, me and Ryan, to start something. So we went to Grace and Grits, hmm. which was a program that was similar to what we have now that's been around for I have 15 years at least, I yeah. think. Um, so we just started volunteering there. So your first step wasn't, hey, we got to create picnic project. No. The first step was, I know how to cook. There's a need in the area. Let's. Yep. I mean, when we first went, we just went to help pass out plates. Like, yeah. they were the ones that gave us that idea to actually serve people instead of have them coming through a line. And then we realized that there were certain days of the week when food or assistance wasn't available in the area. Mm. And one of those days was Sunday. And so we decided, we saw that need, and at that point we were like, we can do that, we'll do it. We can do Sunday. And so we literally just started by telling people we met at Grace and Grits, like, hey, we'll be at the park by the lake or Centennial Park at one o'clock on Sunday, we'll have burritos. Yeah. So we start by passing out a dozen burritos each week. I bet those and were then, good burritos though, weren't they? Oh, they were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> they may not be. I mean, and honestly, it was something easy and yeah. fairly affordable that we could do, but, and easy to make tasty and yeah. portable and they stay warm. So that's how, that was the very beginning of the picnic project. And it's since just organically grown from there. Like if you, if you would have asked us seven and a half years ago, like if we could have imagined any of this, no way. Yeah. We would have thought maybe we're still passing out burritos or sandwiches in the park. Right. But we just kept meeting people and kept taking opportunities as they showed up and met a lot of people that are still here to this day. Like, 
some of our volunteers have been here for six plus years, seven years. Yeah. Um, just, and they're here every week. Like, and people are volunteering for a lot of different reasons. Like I feel oh, like, definitely. like as I've kind of made my way around and met volunteers, like you said, there have been people that, uh, were, were yeah, housing insecure mm-hmm. and were just here and wanted right. to be a part of it. But there are people whose like kids were mm-hmm. fed, you, like you fed their right. kids and they feel like they need to come back and, yes. and be a part of that as well. Okay, could you just uh, say your name for me to make sure we have good levels? Hi, I'm Pat Miller. Nice job. So do you do you come every every week or do you come I've pretty been, often? I started in August, yes. How'd you, how'd you get volunteering with the picnic project? Well, our son was an alcoholic and yeah. he wound up being homeless and I was yeah. looking into places for him to come and get some meals, although yeah. I always told him he'd never go hungry, he could come home. Right. But he was 47, an alcoholic, so we just had to kind of, he had to learn on his own. So anyway, he came here a couple times. Actually, I started while he was still with us, and I saw him here a couple times, and then he passed away the end of August. He drowned unexpectedly. Oh, no. And I'm very sorry. Thank you. I'm so sorry. It was the end of... It was the August of, like, this year? August 2016, yeah. He, oh, no. He drowned, and uh, so I've been coming ever since just trying to show my appreciation for what they do for all these people that don't know where they're going to eat or yeah. what they're going to eat or have a home. And so it's just my way of giving back and trying to honor our son. What is your son's name? His name was Brian. He was 47. What What did it mean as a, I'm thinking of my own kids and what it means to have people care for our kids. Like, what does it mean? What did it mean for you to have Brian fed and cared for and respected in this place? What What did it mean for you as his mom? Well, I just think they do a wonderful job and they care for the people here. Um, they serve the meals. They, they treat them with respect here. Yeah. Like, I've been to a lot of places where there's, like, feeding, like feeding programs for, you know, folks that are housing insecure. What was different about this, though, is I was, I was looking up and down the tables. There were people that, like, were just from Sanford, just from the community, eating here. And everybody was just sort of eating together. Was that part of the dream for this? Is it something that just happened? How, how did you foster that kind of, it's this funny, like, little right. utopian community. <laughs> how did that work? I mean, that's always been our goal, was to forge relationships and conversation. Uh, so we've never called ourselves a feeding program or okay. a homeless feeding or a soup kitchen. It's been a community meal from the start. Right. Um, one, for the dignity of those that do need to come here, we don't want it to be just a soup kitchen. It's got kind of a negative connotation. But we really want to encourage community and fellowship and just conversation so people know each other, like have actual relationships and conversations. It just makes everything more real. Mm. Um, So over time, you know, we've had city commissioners come out. We've had, which is great because they're the ones in power here and can affect some serious change. And to actually 
meet these people and put a face to the issue in town instead of just, you know, there's 400 homeless veterans in Sanford streets. That yeah. statistics are just numbers and they're, it's, it's not real. It's not yeah. personal. And so our goal was to make that personal. Uh, it, our, our whole premise for the picnic project was less about solving poverty and more about making friends and relationships. Because mm. poverty is a huge, complex issue. And we do make efforts on that, like with legislation and petitions and awareness, but it's way bigger than us. Mm. And, um, and there's way bigger people <laughs> tackling those problems. But I think just being here for people is a huge thing. Hmm. And if we can save them a few bucks a week in the process, that's icing on the cake. What does it mean to you to be a part of this? Because you've been a part, it's been seven years now, right? Right. What is it? Uh, I mean, just, and, it and that's like quite an effort. Like just mm -hmm. seeing what happens this morning, right. this isn't like a, a little thing I do on Sunday. <laughs> this is an all out intense effort right. that you started earlier this weekend and it's you're sprinting right. to, to the finish <laughs> line today. What, why do you keep doing this? I literally feel like every day I do this, I'm seeing people that I have built friendships with and it, I look forward to it each week. And I do like to cook. It is my job, but I also still enjoy that. Hmm. And I, I like uh, hospitality. Hospitality uh, brings me happiness and brings all these people happiness too. Hmm. And so it, it's just personally rewarding. It's, it's less of a sacrifice and more of a reward at this yeah. point. Um, I mean, I won't lie and say there's some Sundays I would rather sleep in, but yeah, right. <laughs> for the most part, I really enjoy this. And like the core volunteers are my best friends now. And we hang out throughout the week and, um, and then just the people that come here on Sundays are, I have good friends here from that as well. Hmm. I was touched by the fact that we had communion together at the beginning of this. Right. And for a few reasons. One is that you usually only have communion in church, but <laughs> then even thinking about that was like, oh, maybe this is very much church. Yes. Right? Like that's, it blurs the lines of what is church in quotes right. and like why – how was this not church? And it also had something to do with the fact that we began eating our lunch that you prepared that was beautiful with a table that was set in the form of like the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. When did you start taking communion? What, what, tell me everything. Just, just talk, <laughs> talk about everything I just said. <laughs> um, it started when we moved from the park into the church facility. And then the pastor asked us if we'd be interested in doing that. And we love it because to us, this is kind of church. And yeah. for a lot of people here, this is as close to church as they get. Hmm. Some of them actually do attend the church here or other churches, but um, for a lot of people, this this is their church. Hmm. Uh, and that includes the volunteers as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it has in a somewhat different way, all of the typical aspects of traditional church. Mm -hmm. You know, we have fellowship, we do communion, um, a lot of times, uh, the pastor or one of the volunteers will speak, uh, just give a little teaching, keep mm. it short. Uh, we don't want anybody to have to be stuck here to get yeah. food. Like we would never do that, but yeah. we do a, a little teaching usually. And I mean, it's really like 
the church in action, like this is the service part of it. This is our offering. I, I think it's very special to people. And I think food and meals in and of themselves are uh, kind of a sacrament, yeah. um, not just the Eucharist, but anytime you gather together. And especially like if you just ponder on what it took to get that food to the plate, like mm. all the people whose hands touched that from the farmer who planted the seeds to the immigrants who harvested it to the factory workers that sorted it to the truck drivers that brought it to you. It's this huge web. And if you really think about that and then think about the history of food and it, it can be kind of an awesome thing to ponder. And I do see it as sacred. There's actually a book I'm reading called food and faith. And it talks a lot about food as sacrament. And it's just, it's a kind of a scholarly book, but it's blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Uh, it's so good, and it makes you really think about, like, food throughout history and how it was treated in biblical stories and how many times it comes up from farming to actually eating and who you eat with and what you eat. Yeah. You know, it's such a critical part of the faith. Man, that there is something... But there is something really deeply profound about that, isn't there? Because that's what we do. We, When we're getting together with someone, we're always like, oh, let's go grab lunch. Right. But it's not just a function of, mm -mm. like, there's just something about sharing the meal mm -hmm. together. And there's it's very spiritual. Two more questions. Sure. Um, people that are listening to this, mm -hmm. you know, are like, and we ask this, like, on a lot of the shows, but I'm always aware of people listening to this who are trying to somehow intersect with the homeless population and care for them well and figure out what preserving dignity means. And they're kind of rolling through all of that. Um, I feel like sometimes, and I'm included in this, can get locked in the, I don't quite know what to do to be helpful. Right. What would you say to someone who's listening to this and something they can do now? Like just a, a next step, not the whole right. start the picnic yeah. project, everything, but just <laughs> what can you do? And maybe right. it's as much a theory, like theoretically, what should they be thinking or maybe practically? Right. I mean, I think there's a number of things you can do. Like like we touched on, it's an enormous issue, and it's so interwoven with nutrition and, mm. and employment and criminal justice. All these things intersect. So it is very difficult, yeah. and it is very overwhelming, even for me. Um, but some things that I would say, um, you could look for a program similar to ours in your community yeah. and just volunteer, even if you only do it once, yeah. just to meet some people. Or go to a downtown park on a hot summer day mm. and spend the day walking around with no money and nowhere to go and just literally walk a mile in somebody's shoes. Mm. And you'll start to gain uh, awareness and an appreciation for what that struggle is. And so, like, if somebody does use the dollar you give them to go buy a beer, realize that they've been sitting in the sun all day. Every time they sit on a park bench, they're asked to move. They get kicked out of libraries. They, get, they, they have nowhere to go. And it's brutal. Uh, I mean, I'm speaking from Central Florida, so no, it's hot here. You're right. No, it is. I understand. <laughs> Same thing can be said for in the winter up north. Like, it's a hard thing. So put yourself in their shoes. And, and while you're there, talk to some of them. All right, so you got to hold it up to your mouth a little bit. I know. All right. I got you, <laughs> you know, you got, all right. Hold on. Can you talk into it for a second? Check. One, two. Oh. One, two. This is not your first check, is it? No, it's not. So how did you get to and find out about the picnic project? I found out the, 
about the picnic project through my future fiance, China. Where's China? She's up there sorting out clothes. Oh, Her yeah. name is April. Yeah. Future fiance, does she yes. know that yet? Yeah, she knows that. Okay, so it's like you're pre-engaged? Yeah, we're kind of pre-engaged. Talking about it? Yeah, we're still arguing and fighting. <laughs> well, you know that's how that goes. I mean, a normal just, relationship. <laughs> right, so you're doing just great. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. So you found out about it from her? Yes, I found out it through her. And at the time when I found out with it through her, I was homeless. Mm -hmm. I was struggling. Mm -hmm. And she just we just kind of clicked. Yeah. How does it... How is it for you talking to like these men and women that are coming in? They like, you know, they're they they don't have a, they're coming in from like the street right now. Like, how do you relate to them differently because you know their spot? You know what I mean? Because the the reason that I relate to them in certain ways is because I've been there. You know, I've been to prison. I've got out of prison. I've lived a drug life. I got out of drug life. I was a dope addict at one time. I recovered from that. And so some of them that I really do understand that it's hard for them to kick that habit. Yeah. But as long as they're someone around them to have that positive attitude. Yeah. That makes me feel good. Yeah. Can I ask you, I, it's hard because I, I feel like sometimes like when they're out on the street and if they're in the middle of like a drug habit and they're having a hard time, I feel like a lot of society, like people will like look the other way. And I know there's like, laws in place now in in this city where they're just like kicking people off the street um can you talk about like what it like what it feels like to be looked at that way do you know what i'm just, that's yeah, not I'll, a good question but do you know what i'm saying yeah it's it's definitely not a good question <laughs> but i also understand the why isn't it a good question? the reason that you're asking that yeah. question in that way yeah it's because not to bring it up is that of course, everybody knows that I'm black. So to put it in that perspective, when you walk into a store yeah. and it's ran by someone that's quote-unquote racist, and I'm not I saying understand. anything about people like that, mm -hmm. so they look at you in a certain way. You're right. They look at you like, okay, you a dope addict, you a drug addict, you, you steal, you, you cheat, you lie. But people do make changes in their life. And then once they change over in their life, everybody always look at them as they're always that way. Right. Like that was a thing for your, like you're just always a drug addict now. No, you can never shake that label. You can never get that off of you. You can never shake that label. You can never be truthful. You can never be honest. But once someone gets over those obstacles in their life, mm -hmm. they can do that. Yeah. I was that person at one time. Right, and it feels like in here, at least, people aren't looking at you. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but does it, I don't feel like people are looking at you like that in here. Here, we're just here to eat and hang out and just be... Yeah, do you feel people, that way? Here, when I'm here, people don't know the things that I've said huh. due to this interview. Things don't, they don't know that. Yeah. So it's kind of like I express my feelings to, like, like you. Yeah. You know, and, and I know this is a message that's going to go out to people. Yeah. Everybody's not bad. Once they <laughs> have that and then they finally kick that, there's always the picnic project to help you out through your trials and tribulations.
I gotta tell you, I think this is like the fourth time I've had to record this because I keep getting choked up when I think about the morning that I got to spend at the picnic project. It was really impactful for our family because nothing really miraculous happened, right? People made good food and served it in the fellowship hall of a church. This has happened before. But what was amazing was that a whole group of people who I may not have encountered in my day-to-day life, just to be totally honest, right? We were all of a sudden sitting at the table, talking, chatting, hearing about each other's lives, and just hanging out, right? It wasn't this epic moment. We were just spending time together. And I feel like my understanding grew a little tiny bit, not because I necessarily learned more, but because we just sat at the table together. I am very grateful for Mark and the time that he gave me as I interfered in his life (laughs) as he tried really hard to cook and answer some guy's questions and really thankful to him and to Ryan for founding the picnic project. As I said in his interview, I will absolutely ask you to give them money. I'm on their website right now and I just read that it takes $8,500 to keep the picnic project in operation for a full year. $8,500 for a year. That is pretty remarkable. I think we can help with that. Go to thepicnicproject.us, thepicnicproject.us, US, we'll go US, thepicnicproject.us, and learn more about what they are doing and give and give generously. If you're in the car, don't worry about writing it down. We will tweet and Facebook out these links. Our social media is New Activist Is, one word, New Activist Is, and we will give you resources and have conversations, I'm sure, about this episode. This week's music was composed and provided by The Brilliance, thebrilliancemusic.com. They have new tour dates if they are coming to a city near you or even close to you, or even not that close to you. Go see them. And with that, we go back into the world. On behalf of all of my friends at The Picnic Project, as well as the Relevant Podcast Network and International Justice Mission, I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my brother. Thank you for listening to the New Activist Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And for more Relevant Podcast Network shows, check out the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com.